2: LinkedIn, the place to be, to be.
3: My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery – Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of
3: daily podcast from Hello
4: Sunshine. Hosted by me, Danielle Robay. And me, Simone Boyce.
1: Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Amy Nelson. And
5: I'm Sam Edis. And this is What's Her Story with Sam and Amy. We share with you untold stories of the world's most remarkable women, and today we are sharing a story of the world's most famous divorce attorney.
6: Laura Wasser, who truly is the most famous divorce lawyer in the land of broken dreams, Los Angeles. Laura has been a family attorney for over 20 years, and she's also the founder of It's Over Easy, which is an online divorce site which makes divorce easy. It was really fascinating to talk to Laura, and one of the things that I find really interesting about Laura, you know, as a lawyer myself, I practiced litigation for 10 years, I worked just with big companies, right? There really weren't names or faces. Laura, as a divorce attorney, gets into people's lives. She knows the grittiest details about some of the hardest times that people go through.
5: Right now, obviously, is such an unusual time. We're all still during COVID and were stuck at home with the same people for days, hours on end. It used to be that we, most of us would go to an office, your kids go to school, and you come home and have a couple of hours together at night. But now suddenly, those are the people we're doing everything with all day long. So relationships are changing.
4: We are seeing more people um, registering and then filing for divorce, but it's not a skyrocket. I really do think that a lot of families have shifted the way that they do things. I think there's a lot more shared responsibility for kids and housework because people are home. And I also think that people are really digging into dealing with issues that they have in their relationships and marriages, which you couldn't always do before. It was always easy to leave. You could walk out. You could have a beer with the guys or meet your girlfriends or go to book club. Now you're really kind of stuck there. And so I think a lot of people have said, hey, if I'm in this for the long haul, let's really figure out a way to make this work. I've spoken to a lot of therapists who are doing online couples therapy, and people are getting into it and I think it's really working and I know that if it doesn't they will know that they really gave it their best shot. Laura
5: has represented everyone from Angelina Jolie to Kim Kardashian to some of the most famous celebrities and high-profile people in the world. How
4: did you get to that point where they're calling Laura Wasser? I don't know. I mean, (laughs) I guess, I I mean, I grew up here in Los Angeles. My dad is and was a family law attorney, so he had been doing it for a long time. Um, I went to Beverly Hills High School, so I knew a lot of people who went on to become actors, directors, business managers, agents. And I also think word of mouth. One of the things that we do at our firm is really, really uh, stress the importance of confidentiality. I have, like, you know, racked my brain to figure out ways that we can keep things from the media. I've gone head to head with a few of the different, you know, the heads of TMZ and the Blast in terms of why I don't think that divorce filings should be public in the state of California. That legislation hasn't changed, but definitely keeping things that are people's personal business, particularly if it could affect their kids, out of the spotlight has something become something that we're known for. And I think that is a word of mouth reason why people will come to us or send their clients to us.
5: What's the difference between representing someone who's ultra famous and representing the you know the boy
4: or girl next door. Very little actually, Sam. I mean, really, the fact is that you know maybe some of those people will have a little bit more money. Um, again, as I said, you have to be a little bit more careful with media. If your client like stumbles out of a club drunk and you know paparazzi are there, it's going to be more of an issue than if they're nobody and nobody takes a picture of them. But. One other thing that I would say again the people we represent at the firm that may not be necessarily famous they still are relatively uh, wealthy and I have found that dealing with wealthy and famous people they're very used to being told yes. And particularly if everybody else that they surround themselves with are people that are making a um, percentage of their earnings. So you've got a, an agent and a manager and a publicist and they're all getting a percentage. So they want those people in front of the camera or if they're a director behind the camera or on the you know, football or basketball field and they wanna make sure that they're actually working because that's how the trickle down gets paid. There's no shame in that. I get paid by the hour whether you win or lose. And so I'm going to be often the one person that says, yeah, that doesn't, that's not going to happen. And they're like, what do you mean? And then they turn to their manager, what did she just say? And I said, it's not going to happen. You're not going to get full custody of your kids. We live in California. It's a shared custody state. Unless your ex really was like burning them with cigarettes or has like a heroin addict, is a heroin addict, we're going to share custody. So let's get real. And, you know, sometimes they say, I don't like her. Let's find somebody else. And often those same people will come back to me and be like, I should have listened to you at the beginning. But for the most part, I think people are happy to hear straight up and in really straight terms, not too much legalese, how the process works, because it's really scary. And no matter how smart or rich or famous you are, if you haven't been through a divorce before, you don't know anything about divorce. Why
6: would you? Sam and I are both big believers in the power of relationships and networking. How did you, as you were growing the business and even today, kind of build those relationships, maintain those relationships?
4: I think a really, and I speak at a lot of law schools too, and I tell law students this, which is, as an attorney, you know, people make attorney jokes all the time, particularly divorced attorney jokes. I mean, true bottom feeders, gross people, benefiting off of other people's misery you know if i'm speaking to a law school class or young lawyers that are doing divorce law i actually say like we're problem solvers we're helping people get through the most difficult time of their lives but on a bigger scale for networking and for attorneys in general and actually for anybody in business what i say is the one thing that you have and you will always have and you have to like treasure it is your integrity boundaries are hard when you do what I do, because people really do need their hand held, even if it's a weekend and I, their courts aren't open and there's nothing I can do. A lot of explanation, a lot of reiteration of the law. Um, I have always been probably a little bit more accessible than you know, my kids and my significant others would like. And I've got partners at the firm that said, I'm just not gonna let people call me on the weekend or after hours. Um, I generally will respond to texts and phone calls as I can. And I feel like that's important to a lot of my clients and they appreciate that. But when it comes to other things, like we usually don't hang out together, have dinner, you get super close with these people and you know all kinds of things that, you know, in normal circumstances, they'd never tell somebody that they don't really know anything, you know, about. But, and then, you know, after the case is over, they usually go on and, you know, the best I can you know expect in a restaurant is like, we'll kind of wave to each other across the room because they're like, oh shit, she knows everything about like my sorted affair (laughs) with the tennis coach or whatever. And I hope that they have like a mutual level of respect. I don't judge in this business after 25 plus years, you can't. Um, But that's kind of the best that I can do for boundaries. And most of the time, I think people can appreciate where it's like, I really enjoy speaking with you, but I don't want to have dinner with you because we're not friends and um, (laughs) I don't need a free dinner. I want to have dinner with my kids. What
6: about misogyny in the legal profession and boundaries around that? I mean, you know, women are half of lawyers and have been for decades, but we are very rarely at the top. Of the legal profession i say we laura because i also am a lawyer i practiced for 10 years before starting the riveter but you know how do you deal with misogyny in the legal field
4: you know i have been relatively lucky i have a very thick skin in terms of you know honey baby whatever and now at 52 i'm happy to get any kind of like flirtation that i can get um (laughs) it doesn't really bother me as much at this age it used to be like if a construction worker would yell at me i would scowl and now i kind of just wave i'm like bring it but you know, I would try to always use it to my advantage. I mean, we we in family law have been fortunate enough to have a lot of female judicial officers, always, and a lot of great female mentors that I've had. Um, you use, you go with your strengths. You know, I've never been a big like screamer or yeller or table banger. A very very wise woman once said to me if you speak more softly they have to lean in to listen i think that's true i'm not trying to compete with men at their level i've had plenty of older judges and attorneys kind of discount me because i'm a girl and also because there was a nepotism aspect too i was my dad's daughter so whereas maybe they wouldn't grab my ass they would definitely call me sweetie or honey or yes i was at your bat mitzvah or whatever use it to my advantage. I know those guys, if they are discounting my expertise because I'm a woman or because I'm attractive or because I'm Dennis Wasser's daughter, they will not be bringing their A game to counsel table and that is where I will absolutely excel. I mean, I had a lawyer said to me probably five or six years ago, you may be prettier and you may dress better, but I've been doing this a lot longer than you and I'm going to win. And we were standing there and as the judge was reading his order, I looked at him and I said, I'm prettier and I dress better and you're so not winning. And it was like
5: so <laughs> great. I mean, it just, you know. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Now, you described yourself as a hot mess. Tell us about – you have two children with two different um, men. W- w- tell us about
4: your personal life. Why aren't you married? Or is it by choice? Tell us the the, the real deal. I got married when I was 25. Um, and we had a big wedding at the Beller Hotel, and it was absolutely gorgeous, and we each had 10, you know, attendants, and we were married for about 14 months, and we realized we were too young and way too different, and so we very amicably split up, and when I told my parents that we were getting divorced, they were like, we totally get it, we understand, we will not be paying for another wedding. So i say that might be the first reason that I haven't gotten married again, The second might be that I do, that was such a gorgeous wedding and we have so many gorgeous pictures. I know I'll never look that good. So what's the point? Um, (laughs) Both of my kids um, were the result of very monogamous, serious, committed relationships. Um, Both of them were people that I knew I wanted to know for the rest of my life. And I, you know, and and they're still in my life, and we co-parent well. Uh, One of them, my younger son's dad, has an an older child who's like my child. When I refer to my kids, I refer to three kids because she's amazing. They're all five years apart, so I've got 20, 15, and 10. And I'm so blessed not only to have been able to raise and be raising these amazing humans, but also to have fantastic familial relationships with their dads. My mom died last summer. They were both totally there for me. We do holidays together. We work stuff out. And I think not only being super lucky to have these great family relationships, but I'm also really able to say to my clients, like, I practice what I preach. I'm telling you this is possible. You can be at a birthday party together. You can figure out a custody schedule if you may have a changing, you know, work dynamic. This is possible. I know it because I've done it and I haven't done it through any complicated like legalese. We don't have a piece of paper between us, me and either of the baby daddies, and we make it work. That's by the way, that's incredible. So you if you were talking to a client who
5: was telling you that they had a child with a baby daddy would you advise them not to have any
4: paperwork no because they're not me and they don't have co-parents that live in fear but yeah for the most part i think having something <laughs> structured is important and look they probably wouldn't be asking me if they knew everything was totally copacetic and fine but as a as a professional and as somebody that gives legal advice my advice is always to have it in writing to have something that's set forth because you never know what may happen. I mean, people that were doing totally chill custody arrangements pre-COVID all of a sudden are calling me up and going, "That he has his girlfriend over there and she's totally not wearing a mask and her kids don't wear masks and everyone's dirty and I've seen them not wash their hands and I don't want my kid going there. So things can change.
5: So I relate a lot to your story because when I was 25, I had the New York version of what you had. I got I had a starter marriage married this great guy we had this huge wedding at the pier hotel this guilt about how much money my parents spent on that wedding in hindsight a zillion bridesmaids and groomsmen and 250 people there and then a couple years later we realized like I was a baby I was the worst wife ever I was totally not ready for that role <laughs> And it was, but that was my first experience with a divorce attorney because I remember at the time he hired this guy, Norm Shiresky, is that him? And this like kind of shark lawyer in New York City. And I was like, for what? We have nothing. Like what, what, what is he? I think he was just upset with me at the time. And so I hired this lawyer in New York and I remember vividly her trying to get me to go after more And I just kept thinking, we have no kids. I don't want anything. I really don't want anything. I just want to have peace. You know, I don't have any hostility towards this person. He's a lovely person. Like, just wasn't meant to be. But I think what's interesting about your role is you really do have such a hand in that
4: future relationship. How how do you navigate that? As I said, I've gone through it. And I've watched so many others go through it. And I feel like you know, th- that idea of, like, peace. And even though you guys didn't have kids, your experience, while not, like, one of your best experiences, I'm sure taught you something. And I don't know if you're still in touch with your ex at all, but at least it's a fond memory. I mean, yes. that idea of, like, going out and getting them. I mean, I just... I don't understand those divorce attorneys. I, they exist in all states. But I say to people all the time, the more you guys argue, the more money we make. And you And this <coughs> is, like this is like a, this is a finite amount of funds that are available. Why don't you keep them for yourselves and for your kids as opposed to paying them to other people to make your ex miserable? Also the animosity. I mean, it's not just the financial cost. It's the emotional cost to be like going after somebody, spend the money on therapy, get over the issues that you're having and then move on to your next chapter. I mean, it's so interesting to me and it always has been what a taboo divorce seems to be, so many years after you know, divorces became the norm. 50% of people that get married in the United States get divorced, that's still true. Um, I, I, the fact that it's still like, oh my God, I mean, yes, it's terribly difficult and hurtful, as is the end of any significant relationship, but I just feel like if you can get through it, we, at it's over easy, we talk about the evolution of dissolution. I wanna make it, easier, at least legally and financially, for people so that their kids then aren't, aren't the ones who suffer from the animosity between their parents. And I know it's possible because my parents did it that way and I will do it. I have done it that way. And you have healthier kids, you have healthier society. If this is something that's going to happen because indeed humans were not meant to mate for life in most cases, if you found your soulmate, you're going to be with him or her the rest of your life. God bless you. I'm not some divorce monger, but if you're not happy, you really want your kids to be looking at two unhappy people. I would rather have my kids see me happy and un, unattached than, un, you know, untenably unhappy in a relationship.
0: My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man.
2: Just go to Ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC Terms and Conditions Supply.
7: I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy.
3: My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of.
7: Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Mr. Worldwide himself, Pitbull. Listen to Math and Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: So knowing that half of marriages even today end in divorce,
4: do you recommend prenups? Absolutely. I recommend prenups and and again, prenups aren't for everybody. Um, There are certain situations where a prenuptial agreement is unnecessary, but here's what is necessary. You know, people are like, I don't want to have a prenup because I don't want to pre-negotiate or enter into a contract for my marriage. Dude, you're entering into a contract for a marriage, and so many people don't even know what that contract is in their state. Educate yourself as to the laws in your state, both when you're married and if you were to get divorced. Spousal support property division, um, you know, what, what? what's a loan? Is her student loan going to be something that I'm responsible for if we split up? Figure that out. And then if there's parts of that that, that don't work for you, then say, I, I'm okay with this contract that we're entering into, but I'd like to opt out of these things. And again, that's one of the reasons that, you know, other people have decided not to get married. If you've been who you are for however many years and you make that much money from going and starring in a film or doing an album or being a kick-ass litigator, you may not want to share 50 cents on the dollar with the person that you're giving an an amazing life to, who you have rad sex with, who's your absolute soulmate, if you split up. You're on the train. It's a party train. The train is happy. But if we break up, I don't want to give you the fruits of that labor because I work too hard to get to where I am. Those are the kind of things I think are important. And furthermore, I feel like other discussions to be had while the bloom is on the rose. My elderly parents may, you know, at some point need to come live with us. Are you cool with that or are you insisting on assisted living? How much are we putting aside for retirement? Are our kids gonna go to private, public, parochial? What kind of schools? People don't talk about this stuff because it's not sexy. It's so much better to, like, isn't my dress great and doesn't my waist look small and aren't these good flowers and are we going to have a band or a string quartet or a DJ? That stuff's fun, but if you can have some of the not as fun and not as sexy or romantic conversations before you get married... I have found that people actually stay married longer or indefinitely as a result of having some of those very realistic conversations because this is a partner, a partner in business, a partner in life. And I say to women all the time, if he's going to be in there with you in the delivery room and, you know, whatever it is, eight times out of ten when you give birth, you poop on the table, he's seeing that. Let's talk about money because no one ever wants to talk about money. Oh, it's so uncomfortable. So, Laura, let's talk about
5: money because I spend every day saying to people, just like you're going to talk about guys and your sex life at that next girl's dinner, please talk about money. Like, it's the longest relationship you're ever going to have in your life is a relationship with money, so get to know it and get comfortable and confident talking about it. And, yeah, and so one of the things that I live in L.A. also and like you – Every day I see so many couples where, and I think probably per capita, we have more couples where the delta between the man's age and the woman's age is, you know, growing or enormous. And that's never been my thing, but it's a lot of women's thing is is that a money thing or is that i mean what what would you say if suddenly your daughter told you she is marrying someone 30 years older i mean wh- what role does money play in all well, of this again, it and can what play what it i
4: don't play? i don't i don't have a should everybody makes a deal in every relationship romantic and otherwise but let's talk about romantic for a second so in that kind of what do they call it a june december romance or whatever it's not always just money. There's a there's some people have you know daddy issues. They never were they never felt taken care of by another person, an older male. Um, sometimes it's power. In this town, it's not always just the actual money. It's the idea of walking into a restaurant and having everybody say, "Oh, Mr. So and So, in your table and whatever." Also. You know, this is a tough town. Everybody's gorgeous. And so maybe, you know, some of these young women would rather be with somebody who can really appreciate the way they look than somebody who's, you know, hair for hair, got more waxing than they do or Botox than they do or teeth whitening (laughs) than they do. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that go into it and you have to really observe it. But I will say this. I have seen many relationships where one person is older or maybe just not as attractive, but certainly wealthier. And what he or she brings to the table is that experience and that perhaps power and that black card. And then the other person who may be much better looking aesthetically younger, what is that person bringing to the table besides just being arm candy? Does he or she make the dinner reservations? Does he or she give a great blow job? What is it that they're bringing to the table? And often if there's a shift, for example, 2008, when stock markets went bust, you know, this, this COVID thing, Now the money situation is a little bit different, so what happens on the other end? And by the same token, what happens 10, 15 years hence when the arm candy isn't looking good anymore? I have had so many cases where I've done repeat business with a client and I'm like, oh my God, his new wife looks so much like his old wife did 15 years ago, it's nuts. It's okay. as long as everybody knows what the terms are and I do I think people go for security and that's okay I mean look who far be it from us to say what what should be important to you in 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 a relationship but as long as everybody's kind of clear about it I think you can really sustain anything if you could change one thing about women's relationship to money what would it be like you guys said, talk about it. We so often abdicate our responsibility about money. Not just not talking about it, but, but not not in engaging. If you're in a relationship, even if your spouse is the one that makes the money, if you're going to be a partner to him or her, get in there. And if there's a quarterly meeting with the business managers, if there's, you know, people tell me stories, oh, I hid all the boxes in my car because I didn't want him to see them, whatever. That's okay, but at least come up with whatever the monthly budget is. So often I see people breaking up because they have no ability to communicate about what's happening financially in their relationship, whether it's a rebuild of a house, whether it's a gambling problem, whether it's a loss of a job. If your partner truly feels like you are a partner to him or her, then he or she is going to be a lot more likely to pull you through things with them. And you will never be in that position as so many women have that have come into my office. Gorgeous women, perfectly dressed, personal shopper at Neiman's, Barney's when it was around, could get a table at any restaurant in the city, belonged to all the private clubs. And they say, I am so embarrassed. I have no idea what we have, what we earn, what our asset to debt ratio is. All of my credit cards are even my husband's accounts. I just have a card on them and I'm terrified. And I'm like, well, here's the good news. You will never be in this situation again. We're gonna learn right now. Where all the bodies are buried, we're going to get you your own credit card, even if it's an American Express green card, you were going to start building some credit. That'd be what I could change is that people really don't just give it up because the castle is waiting for them to move into.
6: On the flip side of that, you know, if you haven't planned well and you're dealing with that kind of in a divorce, but what's the biggest mistake people make in divorce? I'd
4: say one of the biggest mistakes people make in divorce is thinking somehow that you're going to be able to exact you know pain or revenge from the other party you're both going to be miserable you're going to always be making a face, which then will lead to either significant necessity of Botox or some other kind of reconfiguration. <laughs> will be much more difficult for you to get back out there and start dating. Figure out a way to be kind. There's something about this person that you at one point loved, okay? You and he had laughs together. You made love. You made babies. You went through things. Think back on that period of time and figure out a way to know – you're going to know your spouse or ex-spouse or co-parent or whatever you want to call him or her much longer than you're going to know that divorce attorney who seems to be your BFF right now who's also you know sending you a bill every month that would be one of the biggest mistakes I think people make
5: one question before we go to our lightning round
4: is uh, have you ever counseled a couple back together on more than one occasion Um, I do mediation so I will counsel couples together for mediation and also if I'm just representing one party I will often say to him or her you're not ready to be divorced yet why don't you go back and say this or maybe we can get in a four way meeting with your spouse and his or her attorney and I have absolutely said for a myriad of reasons some because I'm such a romantic you're still in love you need to stay together and some you guys actually cannot function if you split up. You can't continue doing what you're each doing either for your kids or for your careers or whatever else. If you're friends and you can make this work for another period of time and you get into some intense therapy, let's figure out if we can work it. And I've had couples come up to me, those are the ones that actually get up and cross the restaurant and say, you saved my marriage, thank you so much. I can't even thank you enough. So yes, I have and I want people to be happy and to be able to thrive in whatever configuration their relationship is in.
7: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Mr. Worldwide himself, Pitbull. A lot of artists in general, people that are very creative, sometimes tend to overthink
5: What about all of those people that stay together for the kids and they're fine like we Amy and I always talk about this we know so many people that are kind of just like stuck in their life like they have a very vanilla life like it's fine and they're they kind of think oh well that's all there is to life it's fine I mean do those people should they stay with their kid with the, with their spouse because of the kids or should they be seeking this this romance or this soulmate out there what's your thought on that?
4: I couldn't tell somebody else what to do. I wouldn't stay in it. Um, But people, they're not always just staying together for the kids. Because I think now in 2020, we realize kids are going to be fine. If you're fine, your kids will be fine. So they're not staying together just for the kids. They're probably staying together because they're afraid to see what's out there beyond. And hey, it may not be so great out there. I can't always promise everybody that you're going to fall madly in love in your next relationship or you're going to get some amazing career. that you It could suck. But you don't know until you try, and some people really are afraid of the unknown. I get it, it is scary. Um, I think until you're really, really ready, until it's gotten less than vanilla, like maybe like rancid vanilla, you can't actually get out. It doesn't have to be that somebody's like beating the shit out of you, but it can be like, I'm just so unfulfilled and so unhappy.
6: Talk to us about being a working mother, you know, two kids. How did, what village do you have around you? What village have you had around you to make this work?
4: Well, I had until last summer, my mom, who was amazing. We used to do Grandma Bunny Mondays and my mom would pick them up at school. And so that is a loss, not just in terms of, you know, emotional, but the fact that she's not there anymore to help out with that is difficult. Um, I have a nanny. I have both of the dads. I have very, very good uh, neighbors because I've been living on my street, since before my older son was born. And just, you know, staying and I'm, I'm on the board of their school. And so knowing other moms and knowing other people, it does take a village. I have a great village. But by the same token, all I've ever known was being a working mom. Like I barely took three months maternity leave off. I really love my job. And I also love the fact that my kids see working parents, and they know what that's like, and they're totally fine with that. I've never missed a school play. I've never missed a dentist appointment. I mean, I go to everything. I had kids a little bit later, so I was already a boss by the time I had them, and I was able to make my own schedule, but, you know, I think in this day and age, if you tell your employer what's important to you, and you don't kind of, I'm lucky, knock on wood, my kids aren't sick very often, if you're able to do it within bounds, I think being a working parent is, really really a rewarding thing not just for you but for your kids because they see that's how the world works
5: so aim should we do the lightning
1: round now
4: let's do it so my first question is are
5: people afraid when they see their spouse seated next to you at a dinner party
1: yes
4: (laughs) absolutely (laughs) but i do have a rule that if i've had dinner with another couple i will not represent either of them so they they're only afraid momentarily till they hear about the rule and then they're good (laughs) what is your biggest vice well I would say since the pandemic it's probably drinking but before that I would say um you know shopping spending a lot of money on clothes it's so funny so many people's
6: biggest vice right now is kind of drinking during the pandemic and for me because I have all these little kids under the age of six like I've had to become completely sober to survive it because they don't let me sleep and there's no time off
4: (laughs) I'll I'll have one for you tonight how's that Amy (laughs) Thank you, Laura. <laughs> what, what what are you drinking these days, Laura? Oh, well, I have really had to have a rotation because they just get bored. So throughout the summer, there was a lot of rosé all day. I'm a big tequila drinker. I also love a good vodka martini. I'm, I'm really a very, um, you know, nonpartisan. I'll drink pretty much anything. Basically, um, another thing that I was drinking a lot, and I've kind of tapered down as the summer ended, was what's called a – oh, no, I'm going to forget the name. But it was um, – Jackie Onassis's old bodyguard. And there was a drink named after him, which was basically Campari, soda, and vodka. I highly recommend it.
5: And who are you drinking with right now?
4: Oh, anybody around. I've got dogs, the housekeepers here, my children when they finish their remote schooling. As I said, I've got really good neighbor friends, so we'll sit in the backyard. But again, non-discerning about that. I'll drink with anybody. (laughs) (laughs) If you could change one law, what would it be? sure there are more important laws than this to be changed with regard to immigration and with regard to some of the um, discrimination stuff but I'm gonna stay within my wheelhouse I would make a law that uh, divorce cases family law cases in the state well in all states if as long as I'm making laws be sealed I just don't see the public benefit to having them all be um, you know available
6: Uh, what is your morning routine
4: well, I should mention this because, notwithstanding all of the drinking, I'm very lucky, and I do not get hangover. So I pop out of bed every morning at about five forty-five because I have dogs. I have a, a new puppy, and so he—that's what time he wakes up. It's time to eat. It's not even light these days at that time. So I get up, I stagger downstairs, I feed them, I have coffee, and then I will either go for a run or a swim. And usually be back and ready for action, I'd say, by um, 7.45, 8, which is when I have to wake my son up for school. We make breakfast. We do. We go on 8.30, log on, and see what his homework or work for the day is. He starts at 9, and I usually will start at 9, too. And then I sit here in this chair in my living room pretty much all day on Zoom calls. Oh, ouch. <laughs> <laughs> What's your biggest regret? I would have liked to have spent more time traveling. I don't know how I could have done it once I had kids and was working with the law practice, but that, I'm not going to say that's advice because I don't think there's anything wrong with that. That's my biggest regret. I would have actually done more traveling and taken more time off either during the summers or winters when I could.
5: Now, Laura, we end every interview with Lou Burns, who is our male perspective on the show, and he always comes out with a final question. So, Lou, take it away. Hi, Laura. Hi, Lou.
0: During this time quarantine, uh, what have you learned about yourself?
4: This has been, actually, that's a good question because I'd say this, whatever it is, six, seven months has been a real introspective time. What I've learned about myself is I'm a mover. I need to keep moving. I need to keep pushing and moving. And I've learned about myself that that may not always serve me. Maybe sit for a minute with some still and some thought. I've never been good at meditation or any of the things that have helped so many people through this and i and i think i could benefit from that and i'm i'm starting to try
5: amy and i are not meditators we um we read books jigsaw puzzles crossword puzzles but or a margarita that's my meditation <laughs> Laura, I'm so
6: jealous. I get terrible hangovers, which is the reason I've had to quit drinking during COVID because I cannot parent while hungover. So
5: that's I call them my beverage bookends. So my morning latte, I'm addicted to my Starbucks, and then my evening glass of wine. And I like look forward to both of those bookends.
4: Yes, <laughs> absolutely. I, I can't drink coffee past about like 11 or 12 in the day. I can have that first cup in the morning and that's it. But Amy, like, I got to say, I think if you keep trying, you can really push through this whole tolerance thing and maybe you can be, I mean, I don't know, hope springs eternal. Final thoughts from Laura
5: Wasser. Well, Amy, I wish it wasn't COVID because I think it'd be really fun to have like a spicy margarita with Laura Wasser.
6: (laughs) Yes, and I would like to follow her advice and just really try to get my tolerance back up. I long for a few cocktails with you and Laura and some other women that I haven't seen in way too long.
5: (laughs) Thank you all for listening to What's Her Story with Sam and Amy. We have loved hearing Laura's story, and we hope you did too. And if you haven't caught some of our other episodes, we encourage you to listen to some of the other women's stories that we've been able to profile recently. Ariana Huffington, Padmasri Warrior, and Glennon, Abby, and many others. And we have many more to come. Our episodes come out every Thursday. And we want to thank our production team, Large Media, a women-owned team that we love working with, as well as our podcast associate, Emma hard and our male perspective Lou Burns and this podcast is powered by my company Park Place Payments which you can find at parkplacepayments.com and Amy's company The Riveter which you can find at theriveter.co
1: Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine
3: you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more.